Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the region. In this program, we continue our discussion with members of Expo St. Louis, and Expo stands for Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. Expo is relatively new in St. Louis, but they've been busy at work. One major project is Unlock the Vote, the effort in the state legislature to restore voting rights to those on probation or parole. And also, on December 18th, Expo led a direct action at the Dismas House, a place of transitional housing for those leaving federal prison. They demanded accountability of the current management, improved living and safety conditions, and better supportive programming for the residents. And if those conditions are not met, Expo's demanding that the federal government not renew the contract with the current management. Today, we'll talk about why the work of Expo is so important, and specifically, why it is important to each of the organizers. One of the things we like to talk about at MCU and Expo is what is your personal motivation? But to start with, we'll once again have the guests introduce themselves, and Latrell, we'll start with you. How you doing, everybody? My name is Latrell. Um, I am one of the organizers of Expo. Um, I specialize in marketing and media services, and I'm just happy to be a part of the team. So, so my name is Tracy Stanton. I am uh, also an organizer with uh, Expo, Incarcerated People Organizing. I am formerly incarcerated. I came home from prison. I- October 2017. Prior to coming to prison, I had no um, interest in anything uh, political, anything policy, anything, anything that had anything to do with this government or (laughs) or the criminal quote unquote legal system. Um, But after coming home from prison and realizing that, you know, in order to make effective change, these are some of the changes that needed to be made. I decided to get to work. So that's me. My name is Ronnie. I mean, Axel. Um, I am an organizer with Expo. I am also a member of uh, Missouri Cure. Um, I had been incarcerated for approximately 25 years. Uh, I was recently released about two years ago. Um, And I just think it's important for those of us who have been incarcerated, those of us who have experienced um, the injustice of uh, the legal system, I think it's important for us to provide a voice for those who cannot effectively utilize their voice. So all of us coming home, we need to be speaking on behalf of those who are still incarcerated to bring awareness to um, the justices or injustices. Hi, I am Maria Miller. I am a, the founder of Our Lives Matter. I am a core leader with Expo and also a member of Missouri Cure. I advocate for human rights. I began advocating after losing my brother to the Missouri Department of Corrections in 2014. How did each of you come to this organization? Did you guys, uh, were you guys involved in something else um, and, and were part of the founding of it? Or did you hear about it elsewhere and say, this is something I want to be a part of? And, and what, what does the organization mean to you? Like you, like you spoke about this organ, um, Expo actually was originated in Wisconsin in 2014. Um, and so they thought it would be a good idea because they have broke molds and, and really expanded there. Um, so they thought it would be a good idea to start doing uh, to start creating chapters um, all over so this can become a nationwide organization. So they reached out to um, MCU because MCU is part of a 
a larger network, which is called Gamelia, and Gamelia has all these different MCUs around the country, and that is where one of the the one in Wisconsin started as a uh, rock, which is an affiliate of MCU or is an affiliate of Gamelia. So they came down here and um, they contacted uh, someone and they, the, the someone that they contacted reached out to me. Um, just like, you know, any network, when you hear about people in the community that are doing things in the community, uh, word of mouth gets around. So they said, I, I figured you might be a good candidate for this uh, organization. And when I came to meet the people, um, Jerome and uh, Aaron, that Jerome actually is the executive director. He actually founded Expo. Um, when I met them and talked and we started talking about the mission, I knew then that it was something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and uh, I knew that I had been doing this for a little bit, but not to the point where we were, I was actually leading the organization with our voices, with the issues that we seen as pertinent issues, right? The other organizations that I'm affiliated with, they kind of have their own mission, which I uh, value the mission. Um, but this was like, I love starting things from the beginning, first of all, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So this was like newly formed and we can mold it and, and, and uh, structure it the way that we wanted to. And um, so that's originally, that's how I came about Expo. And that's how I came in contact with Expo. Um, and that was in the end of 2019. And um, yeah, so what Expo means to me is just me, it's an opportunity, um, not just to be, not to use my voice so much, but to be a, to you to be a voice for the people that don't have a voice. You know what I mean? And then also because I mean, let's be realistic. I wasn't always the best uh, citizen in society. Right. <laughs> so I wasn't always um you know, the most respected or the most uh, reliable or, or respectable, productive member of society. So as a way for me to amend, you know what I'm saying, some of the harm that I cause society, you know, uh, is the reason why I advocate and why the reason why I am involved in, in a various amount of organizations to help to restore. And then also because I'm the liaison between, you know, the people that are still in society, maybe doing some, some of the things that I have done and to who we are now. So I'm, I'm like, we are like the uh, liaison, right? Like the connecting, like the middle part, the nexus between the problem and the solution. So it's like our role and responsibility. Like you can't, Kevin, probably go where we was to get the people and bring them here. You understand what I'm saying? So it takes like-minded people to reach like-minded people. So that's why I'm here. That's how I got here. Boom. <laughs> I got here because of that lady that was just talking just now. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was I was at a, an event for... Um, in the organization and it was like a community event and there were a breakdown of different tables and I went and sat at the civic engagement table and we were talking about voting. So I had asked, well, what, what happens if you can't vote? And then Miss Tracy Stanton <laughs> chimed in and said, uh -huh. well, if, if um, I, I might have some information for you, I may uh, have some, something you may be interested in. And I am a, a member of a group called Expo and um, we can exchange information. I can tell you a little bit about it. And since then, um, I'm here. Uh, I appreciated the fact that um, she hadn't extended the invitation. And prior to this, I was in another uh, criminal justice uh, reform organization. I am currently CLM called Missouri Cure. And, um, but I see a different function um, than Missouri Cure here at Expo. I think we're a bit more proactive in going out and addressing the issues and uh, gaining power for the uh, perceived voiceless, you know? So 
I greatly appreciate the goal and the mission of Expo. And um, not only do I just want to contribute, but the group contribute to the group, but the group has enabled me to address some inadequacies within my own self and made me want to be better and contribute better, uh, contribute more. So I greatly appreciate the organization. Me, I got I got tied in. I went to an event. I was invited to an event um, by my sister, and I went to the event, and I just saw these powerful people, and I, I seen that, uh, you know, was some very powerful and passionate people involved, and I felt like I was at home, so it wasn't really a hard decision for me, so here I am. I was speaking at Corey Bush Town Hall reform, prison reform meeting. I was one of her truth tellers. And after the event was over, I started getting like business cards and someone was like, you need to hear about this group expo and started contacting me. Like, I think you'll be a great fit. And I was like, okay, well, it's kind of um, did a couple one-on-ones and decided, um, I love working with people that are just as passionate as me. I really don't like to drag people or um, I like the same energy. So it seemed like we could do some things, um, make some things happen. Um, as Ronnie, I'm also with Missouri Cure. Um, Expo is a lot more proactive. Um, I like getting my feet to the ground. I like action. Um, so that was a good thing for me. Um, wow, you all, we just did like a year. So we've been here a year. And what Expo means to me, with me, like I said, I have my own organization. I was fighting the Missouri Department of Corrections alone. I don't have to fight alone anymore. Like I have a team that I can say, hey, this is going on. They don't always get what I'm saying or, you know, understand it. But they're like, hey, okay, break it down what you're trying to do. What? So I'm not just saying, okay, um, Missouri Department of Correction, this is Our Lives Matter. Like when we went to Jeff City in October, before I've been to Jeff City before with families and things like that, but it was just me. So I have the support of MCU, I have the support of Expo for the same cause. And that means a lot to me. I know it's gonna take numbers to fight this machine. So it's basically, it means a lot to me to know that I'm not fighting alone and I have my Expo family behind me on the side of me, but it means a lot. Uh, there are a lot of issues that need our attention in the coming months and years, and the question is, what can people do? And I want our listeners to think about what's important to them um, and how they might become more involved and listen and see if Expo, if specifically if you've uh, been part of the uh, justice system-involved population, um, is this an organization that, that you can step into? And for the rest of us, uh, is MCU a place where you can be a part of? So I want to talk to you guys about things that are important to you. Uh, that's something that we always talk about in, in MCU is what is your self-interest? So Latrell, I'll start with you. Why do you think it's important to society that ex-incarcerated people are re-enfranchised? I feel like that for society as a whole, um, to get over certain stigmas, to get over certain vindictiveness and pettiness, um, mm -hmm. to understand that people make mistakes and you are not the mistakes that you have made. 
um, that every life that walks on this earth has value. And so when you disenfranchise someone, uh, disregard them, throw them away and treat them like less than the person that you are, um, all you're doing is sowing more uh, hurt, more hate, more um, violence in society as a whole. And, you know, we, we're taught right now that we're so isolated and such individuals, but a lot of times, you know, a lot of this, this, this hate and this hurt, um, it comes home to roost. And it comes out in society, you know, it comes out in different ways. And so for an overall more healthier society, I feel like that it's best that everybody is vested in the country, is vested in the outcome and the, the, the situation and the condition of our neighborhoods and communities. And in order to do that, especially with how many people we incarcerate, and how many people return back to society in order for us to fully do that, those people have to have a vested interest in society and they can't do that if they're disenfranchised. Okay, thank you. Tracy, uh, your question is, why is it important for ex-incarcerated people to organize? Um, people closest to the solution are the people closest to the problem. We know we have firsthand knowledge with um, not only what goes on inside the, um, the prison systems, um, coming home from the prison systems, but we also have firsthand knowledge on the behaviors um, that we partook in that led us. Um, some of us, um, maybe not all of us, because we know that everybody that's incarcerated is not, um, has not, uh, big, has not did the actions, right? Or that are not guilty, but we know, like for me personally, I know firsthand, I have firsthand knowledge with what, areas in my life um, I was lacking or things in my life uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, 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 spiritually that was lacking in my life that led me to uh, commit the uh, crimes or, or things that, that led me to prison, right? And then we know the injustices that we have received um, while being in prison. Um, we know the, um, the protocols uh, that were not being adhered to. We know um, what we needed as, uh, upon our release that, we, that some of us most likely didn't receive, especially if you did it a, a long uh, stand in prison, as far as uh, prison supposed to be a place for rehabilitation, but um, it's not, it's a, it's a place for punishment. Um, it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a place uh, for you to be ostracized from the community, for you to be put away, um, not really uh, a place where holistic healing or trauma therapy or things like that, or, or being, uh, those things aren't being addressed. Um, and then coming back into society, right? So we believe that firsthand knowledge, experience, the experience that formerly incarcerated people have, you know what I'm saying? Um, could add to add, add so much value into the restoration of, of our society. Um, and then also when we're talking about identification and relatability, um, who else better to talk to, to people that are maybe headed down that road or people maybe that are in that situation, that circumstances, um, who better than people that have uh, faced their dilemma and found a way out, you know what I'm saying? Who knows those same um, internal battles or internal struggles or um, that can help them, help lead them uh, on the way. 
Um, and then also with people that are so far from the problem, you're on the outside looking in, right? So you're giving solutions based off of a lot of clinical, um, you know, uh, findings or a lot of uh, quantitative data, but not a lot of qualitative data, right? So we know, so we have firsthand knowledge on what, what works? What works for me? What worked for Ronnie when he came home? What, you know what I'm saying? What worked for Latrell? What worked for Tracy? You understand what I'm saying? What, what did we not get in our lives that led us to, me, to make these crimes? Where did we, um, while we were incarcerated, um, what took place there? How did they really add to our rehabilitation? You know what I'm saying? To our state of mind, you know what I mean? Coming home. So the, the people that are closest to the problem are the people closest to the solution. And sometimes, you know, um, you can't tell me if you haven't been in my shoes a lot of times how to rectify the situation. So um, we believe that it is imperative that people that have been um, involved in the criminal justice system um, that are now uh, even in, even currently inside the criminal justice system. I mean, currently inside the uh, dealing with the criminal justice system, um, their voice needs to be heard. OK, thank you. And Ronnie, uh, what is the importance of political awareness? We know that political awareness is a deliberate act of becoming informed or acquiring a knowledge base that would enable us to effectively utilize our voice to address the unfairnesses regarding policies that govern our lives. Um, it places us in a position also to be proactive. It enables us to be proactive in drafting, selecting uh, the implementation of policies that um, serve the best interests of the people. It affirms that we choose not to be passive or give in to apathy, um, that we want to be involved and demonstrate what it is to be a community. Political awareness is just to understand, it's also to understand um, the power webs and abilities to navigate them and therefore um, get things done, you know? So we can't complain about a system. We can't complain about the issues that adversely affect our lives if we don't know about the system. We don't know about these things or um, desire and ability to affect positive change. So political awareness enables us to uh, just get in there and get things done. Okay, thank you. And Maria, why is a citizen's overview of MDOC needed? I'm going to personalize this a little bit because I have to. Yeah, I have done some probation time. I've never been in the Department of Corrections, but I lost someone I love dearly to the Department of Corrections. Why this is so important, and it's also what made me start advocating. My brother was brutally murdered six years ago, going on seven. The Department of Corrections and Crossroad Correctional Facility, they lied to my family. They gave us misleading information, they falsified documents, and they withheld information. I investigated this death myself, and I began to see all of this firsthand. I deal, I have like 10 clients now, and they're still coming, and I'm going to show you something. We did a story on James Stampley some months back when we started talking about COVID. James Stampley was supposed to come home last Friday on... January the 8th, they told him two weeks before he was to come home, he cannot come home because he received a major violation. I'm not going to get into that major violation. So he told me what that was. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I started writing the complaints on it because I'm like, I just can't see this man doing anything wrong after he didn't caught COVID, had a broken jaw. 
I know people can do things. And one thing I ask anyone that I advocate for, first, you got to be honest with me. That shows me how I can fight because I don't ever want to make a mockery out of my name and our lives matter or anybody that I'm drawing in to help. I began to fight this and I went exactly with what he said. The warden would not respond. So I know a higher up. I got this person involved. The warden responded. It's a certain way I learned how to fight and we advocate. However, long story short, that case got expunged. My first expungement. Okay. It's not the victory yet because he's still sitting there. Now we're going to go back to it. So after I did that, the same correctional officer wrote this man up saying he didn't shut the Sally Port door. So they took away his phone calls, restricted his phone calls. So they were already tampering with the mail. They took away his phone calls. Now, there's no way a warden is going to expunge a violation unless I prove misconduct, okay? So they expunged it, but he's still sitting there. So I've been battling with the Missouri, the Missouri Parole Board all week. If this violation was expunged, why is he still sitting there? So they came around with all this shuckling and jiving. And I'm like, no, I'm not accepting. They said it's not up for appeal. I'm not asking you for appeal. This major violation has been expunged. Why do we have to sit there for 90 days? So now what they tell me is we're going to um, review this. And when we review this, we'll let him know and you'll be able to know that what's going on. So basically what this is about is the lies, the seat that MDOC is able to tell to family members, they're able to falsely violate people, to hold them in prison for things they did not do for retaliation or because they feel like they want to do it. These things need to be exposed. The public needs to know about this. So, but these are the things that happen. Patrell asked me, because I was written and raving to him the other day, he says, is this, yo, is this somebody personal? Is this your, your guy or something? I'm like, no, Latre, this is not my guy. This is my client. I advocate for him and his wife. He's like, well, why are you taking it so personal? And I said, Latrell, I said, last night I was in a meeting and I had to begin to talk about MDOC and a lady asked me, she says, are you angry with the Department of Corrections? I said, I used to be angry with them. I'm hurt. So to answer Latrell's question, the hurt makes me stand in front of each one of my clients personally because nobody, some attorneys don't even know how to get through the doors that I get through because I'm, I keep going. So the public view to this kind of things that are happening inside the Department of Corrections, where you have people that are being denied their out day because the officer decides to write you up for something you did not do. People are dying in these prisons. These prisons will lie about what happened like they did to my family. They will falsify documents so that they're not accountable. And then when you hold them accountable, they will ride, run and hide behind those desks and not answer phones, not answer letters. This is a big issue that did not start in 2014 when Larry lost his life. It did not, it didn't start there. And it's still six years later, it's going on. I'm advocating right now. I have, like I say, Come on, Expo, let's try to do a call of action. They might give me all kinds of questions, but eventually they'll do it with me. But that's just five of us. Kevin, you could do a story on it. We can get it out, but that's just a little handful of us. 
when these people know what for real is going on in these prisons and they think that it's okay, then they're they're part of the problem. But for the people that don't know what's going on in there and they see what's being, these things are being exposed and they're like, what can we do? Like you asked for, what can people like me do? We expose these situations and we don't let up. This is a big problem. And I take these things to the heart because I lost it now. I don't want to see another person behind those walls and not make it home to their family. I don't want to see a person in there being punished where no one's fighting for them. So that's why I stand in front of each one of my people so that they don't have to be hurt because I'm already hurt. You know, I heard this, anger turns into pain. I'm past the angry point. I'm past the painful point. It's hurt and I'm turning my anger into a fight and I'm willing to fight a tooth and nail all the way all the way. And we love you for it, Maria. Yes, thank you very much. I think we're going to wrap us up with just a final, um, if somebody wants to find out more about Expo, if there's someone who's, who's, who's uh, been through the criminal justice system and is looking to connect, what's the best way to do that? You can contact us on Facebook at Expo SCL. You can also email us at MCU dash expo at mcustl.com and you can also text expo expostl to 31996 if you want to get involved and you'll receive a call back so i want to thank our guests today uh latrell stanton tracy stanton ronnie amin and maria miller all organizers with expo st louis ex-incarcerated people organizing to learn more about mcu go to metropolitan congregation united's website at mcustlewis.org also be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram for news and events and how you can become involved I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.